Chapter 55 Argus You said you checked the newspaper this morning, Nix hissed once she'd picked herself up and assured everyone she wasn't hurt. I scanned the editorials, Jordan whispered back. I didn't know they'd do a story about the cats on page two. Ms. Winkle looked in their direction and pointed as if to say, I know where that talking is coming from, so zip it. The gesture was completely unnecessary. Walter now had their undivided attention. I guess I'll just read it. To whom it may concern. Since the recent publicity of the partially depilidated felines, it has come to my attention that disease may not be the causal factor in their generally horrific appearance. From a trusted acquaintance, I've recently learned that the twenty or so stray cats in question have in fact lost portions of their fur as a result of a childish prank involving a cat trap and hair-removing chemicals. In light of this new information, I hope the town will move to protect these animals as victims rather than exterminate them like vermin. Sincerely, a concerned citizen. Wow. Jordan's letter sounded even more intelligent when it was read by a kid who couldn't pronounce half the words. Nix glanced at Jordan. From the grin on his face, you'd have thought he'd just been awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. But the story goes on to say that the animal control people aren't taking the email seriously, Walter continued. In fact, their plans to kill the cats haven't changed. They can't risk the health of the town just because of what some guy heard from a friend. And if it really was a prank, those responsible should make a police report. Jordan's smile disappeared. Thank you, Wally, Ms. Winkle said. That article caught my attention as well. Walter returned to his seat, red-faced and grinning. So what do you think? The teacher continued, addressing the class this time. Do you trust this concerned citizen? A few students shook their heads. Heidi flipped her bright purple hair over her shoulder. It sounds like he's making stuff up. Who would use hair remover on cats? Nix cringed. Of course Ms. Winkle would turn this into some big class discussion. Couldn't they just start cooking? And why would the email be anonymous if they didn't have something to hide? Polly piped in. I think he sounds credible enough. To Nix's dismay, it was Jordan who had spoken, and now the rest of the class was staring, waiting for him to back up his claim. Even as Nix kicked him repeatedly under the table, Jordan cleared his throat and continued. I mean, what would this guy gain from writing the email? It's obvious he's remaining anonymous so he won't embarrass his friend. Nix could barely conceal the panic welling inside her. Jordan might as well have screamed, I wrote the letter and Nix was the idiot who shaved the cats. Could he really be so careless? I don't think he sounds credible at all, Nix said. This guy is probably some animal lover that made up a story because he can't stand to see a few sick cats put out of their misery. A few students laughed. Jordan looked at Nix as if she'd slapped him. Nix shrugged and thumbed through her cookbook. She'd hoped no one noticed how violently her hands trembled. Ms. Winkle stood, signaling the end of the discussion, and explained the difference between baking powder and baking soda. Apparently the confusion had caused several pizza dough fatalities the day before. What was that about? Jordan whispered to Nix after they separated into their pods. Nix pulled him to the sink and turned on the water to drown out their conversation. I was going to ask you the same thing. You might as well have confessed right there. Give me a break. No one would think a high school student could have written it. And even if they did, what's the big deal? The important thing is to get them not to kill the cats. 
Think about it, Jordan. Animal control is not going to call Ms. Winkle to ask what her sophomore home ec class thinks about it. On the other hand, you can bet kids in our school would go blabbing if they knew you were a concerned citizen. I'm not concerned citizen. You are. Nix glanced around to make sure it was still a private conversation. You're the one who wrote the letter. Mine sounded like a fourth grader's, remember? Well, why don't you try the next one and see how it goes? With that, Jordan left Nick standing at the sink, water running over her knuckle dimples. A girl with flawless eye makeup set a load of dishes by the sink and thanked Nix for taking the washer position. While she scrubbed, Nix planned her next move. The letter had failed. Should she forget the whole thing? Whether they chose to believe Nix or not, the town knew the truth. What more could she do? But Nix knew there was more she could do. She couldn't let those cats die because she was afraid to get in trouble. She'd make a full confession in person if she had to. But before it came to that, she'd try one more thing. A letter of her own. One that would boost her credibility enough that they'd take the first one seriously. What could she put in an anonymous email to make them trust her? It was too late to claim to be a veterinarian, as if they'd believe that anyway. What she needed was something they could verify. Some proof she had accurate information and wasn't just making stuff up to get attention. The eyeshadow girl dropped a handful of crusty utensils in the sink, splashing dirty water all over the front of Nix's shirt. Either the girl hadn't noticed or didn't care. She quickly returned to where Tiago demonstrated creative uses for the meat mallet. As the class progressed, Nix's fingers transformed into plump little prunes, and her head grew steadily more vacant. Every idea she had seemed more useless than the first. It wasn't until the wolverine growl echoed through the classroom, announcing the end of the day, that Nix got her idea. If Concerned Citizen told the newspaper where to find Wendell, the authorities would have to start thinking of her as a credible source. The only difficulty would be in writing a letter that sounded like Jordan's. In the hall, Nix almost turned toward the library instead of the auditorium, but caught herself. Even if she had only two lines, she couldn't ditch rehearsal. The cast needed her. Okay, maybe they didn't need her all that much, but it would still feel like a betrayal. On the other hand, every minute she delayed writing the email, cats could be dying. Just then, Tiago passed and made the decision a whole lot easier. Immediately, Nick stepped in behind him, following as close as she dared, taking in his smell and imagining he was walking beside her with his hand in hers. Hey, Dumbo, you just stepped on my- Nix mumbled an apology but didn't wait to hear what appendage she trampled. She inadvertently assaulted two more students on her way to the auditorium. Finally, Tiago heard one of them swearing and greeted Nix. Together, they walked the rest of the way to rehearsal. It wasn't hand-in-hand, hand, but she had to start somewhere. Nix nearly fell over when she entered the auditorium and found Mrs. Finkbone already organizing the cast into their reading circle. The director hadn't been this early since the first day of rehearsal. Had someone told her about the private practices? Maybe she felt guilty and determined to put her heart into the musical. As it turned out, Nix's newfound respect for Mrs. Finkbone was short-lived. After thirty minutes, the tall woman stood and told them to continue reading lines while she graded papers in her classroom. Naturally, they sent someone to go get her when they'd finished the run-through. Naturally, they found Mrs. Finkbone's classroom empty. When Beryl came back with the depressing news that Mrs. Finkbone was not only unreliable, but a liar, even Nix began to feel a little manipulated. Why did she even hold auditions? The good jellyfish of the North grumbled to no one in particular. Hold up, Nick said, increasing in volume as people packed up to leave. So, Mrs. Finkbone has been a little flaky. That shouldn't matter to us. 
If we keep running practice like we did yesterday, we will be ready for the performances in December. To Nix's relief, Tiago hopped up on stage next to her and grabbed the mic. Nix is right, guys. Let's all stay. The room went quiet. Somehow Nix resisted falling into Tiago and kissing him full on the mouth. But even as she debated whether she'd made the right decision about keeping her lips to herself, someone spoke from the audience area. Alfie! Fawn stood in the doorway to the foyer, surrounded by her posse. If you really have nothing better to do, come to the shore with us. We're having a little bonfire. No losers allowed. Nick stiffened as Fawn glanced in her direction. It was amazing how quickly her urge to kiss could morph into an urge to kick. And after everything Nix had done in ridding Fawn's house of demons, that reminded Nix she still had to rescue Gary from whatever warehouse Mrs. Cherry had stashed him in, if he was alive at all. Tiago stepped away from the microphone and walked across the stage as if he hadn't heard Fawn's invitation. Alfie! Fawn called again. Alfie, I'm talking to you. Fine, you can bring the bimbo if you want. Tiago continued to ignore Fawn, making a show of setting up chairs around the piano. The entire auditorium was frozen, eyes darting from Fawn to Tiago and then back to Fawn. Alfie! Fawn's scream was so abrupt and violent that even Nix jumped. Now Tiago seemed to be the only one in the theater not looking at Fawn. Bravo. Nix stepped back to the mic, her hands suddenly shaking out of control. In case you haven't noticed, she said, Tiago doesn't answer to Alfie anymore. And tell me, Fawn said, do you still answer to fat, awkward girl? Nix's forehead flashed hot, and her eyes prickled. Don't get home too late, sis. You know how Mrs. Cherry likes to keep track of her foster children. Mass confusion descended, at least until Fawn's eyes bulged and she stumbled out of the building. Then the auditorium filled with laughter and a hundred students having the same conversation. Nix was rather pleased with herself until she met eyes with Tiago. His look of disapproval was almost too much to bear. Well, let's get going, Nix said with a calm she didn't feel. Six in a group like last time? Nix felt an overwhelming need to hide backstage and ball for a few hours, but that wouldn't do anyone any good. She had done what she needed, and Tiago would just have to forgive her. Fawn didn't deserve to have her secrets kept if she was going to continue treating others like last week's garbage. Nix pushed back the tears and arranged the chairs for the script station. On the plus side, the confrontation with Fawn had given her an idea, and possibly the courage to try something a little more dangerous to find Gary. Are you okay? Jordan asked softly. Nix nodded. She actually did feel a bit better. Maybe it was because everybody else had decided to stay and rehearse, or that she finally had a plan to rescue Agent Lip. Did you talk to Mr. Coons? Jordan asked. Nix shook her head. I'd better do that now. Hey, Tiago, can I ask you a favor? Nix did her best to seem unapologetic. Tiago approached with Sarah, following close behind. I guess you can both help, Nick said. I need to find Mr. Coons. Can you take over the line memorizing station? Sarah furrowed her artificially darkened eyebrows. But we don't have any lines. I know, you'll be helping others memorize their lines by reading for the people who aren't here. Tiago nodded, but Sarah still seemed confused. Nick dropped the fake smile. Basically, you just read Dorothy's lines over and over and help the others if they make a mistake with theirs. Sarah seemed to comprehend this, and Nix rushed up the stairs, not quite as careful as usual to keep her fat stationary. She had bigger things to worry about than whether anyone noticed her jiggle. No one answered at Coons's RV, but Nix found him on the roof of the cafeteria with a bucket of tar. She explained their plight, and the toothless security guard reluctantly agreed to supervise, as long as he didn't have to break up any more fights. 
The circuits went even better than they had the day before. By seven o'clock, the cast was in high spirits, and a few even thanked Nix for organizing everything. On the way home, she and Jordan chatted about how the musical was coming together. He seemed to have forgotten their correspondence with the newspaper, which was just fine by Nix. She wasn't about to bring it up and get him angry again. Where are we going? Jordan asked. Nix realized Sergeant Frost had just missed the turnoff to his house. Mr. Sood paid me a visit at the station, Sergeant Frost said. He says Nix has to stay at the Cherries. What? Jordan practically shouted. Do you even care about her at all? Nix could practically hear Sergeant Frost grinding his teeth. It's against the law for Fawn to live alone with Mr. Cherry, and apparently it's against the law for Nix to stay anywhere but where the court has mandated. As long as Mrs. Cherry is at the hospital in a coma, the court thinks Nix should stay with Fawn. Jordan looked ready to spew venom, but Nix put a hand on his knee. It's okay. I'll be fine. Jordan leaned in and whispered, I thought you wanted to find Gary. I do, but I think I may have a better way to go about it. You're going to torture it out of Mr. Cherry? I'm going to confront the demon. Jordan swore, and not quite softly enough. Sergeant Frost gave him the evil eye in the rear view. Nix pulled a pen out of Jordan's backpack and handed it to him. Write Tiago's number on my arm. Uh, why? His dad is a demon hunter or something. Just write it. We're almost there. Jordan wrote the number on her arm. Thank goodness for his freak brain. Sergeant Frost didn't pull away until Mr. Cherry had let Nix in. I'm so sorry about what happened, Mr. Cherry said. I don't know what- Yes, you do, Nick said. No offense, but you've been getting your prophecies from her for how many years now? Don't act like you didn't know she was possessed. Nix could scarcely believe she'd said all that out loud. Maybe something about being back at the witch's house gave her a shot of adrenaline. Or maybe it was a momentum from sassing Fawn in public. It felt good to tell it like it was and not worry what people would think of her. Possessed? Mr. Cherry's expression was no longer apologetic. Now he looked furious. My wife has struggled with mental illness for- Maybe, but what she had two nights ago was a full-fledged servant of Satan inside her. I saw it with my own eyes. Believe it if you want. I just thought you might like to know something has taken over your wife's body. Get to your room. Gladly, as soon as I make a call. No, Mr. Cherry said. I'll not have you- Nick spun to face him. Your wife tried to kill me. So don't tell me what you'll have and not have. I don't care what Vivek Sood says. The only way I'm staying here tonight is if you tie me to the bed. Mr. Cherry took a step back. He almost looked hurt. He really had no idea his wife had an evil spirit inside her. That had to be a tough reveal for anyone. Nix relaxed her posture. Look, I am sorry about Mrs. Cherry. It's not her fault. It wasn't your wife that tried to kill me, per se. It was the evil spirit inside of her. And before you say anything... I don't care whether you believe me or not. I'm planning to visit her tonight with a priest to free her from whatever has a hold of her. Now Mr. Cherry looked ready to cry. Do you know where she took Agent Lip, that man you hit on the head? She said he was- Did she kill him? Of course not. He's been missing for days. Do you have any other property or storage containers? Any place she could keep him? Mr. Cherry shook his head, clearly dazed. Nix hugged him. Thank you for everything you've done. I'm going to help Andy, I promise. And just a warning, Fawn might be a mess when she gets home. We had a fight at school, and she sort of got dumped. Again. Nick dialed Tiago's number. Hello? Oscar, is your dad home? In a moment, Mr. Padilla's voice came on. What can I do for you? It's Nick's. Sorry to bother you. I just thought you should know I'm going to visit Mrs. Cherry in the hospital tonight. I don't think that's- It's happening. 
you can pick me up at the cherries or I'll find another ride. But I figured I'd ask, since you guys seem to be the only people in town who actually believe me. What's the address? When the Black Hummer pulled up, Mrs. Padilla sat in the driver's seat. Nick strode toward the vehicle. Mr. Padilla got out on the passenger side. Now, Nix, are you sure this is all right with your... From the doorway, Mr. Cherry raised a hand. Take care of her. It might be best if she keeps clear of here for a bit, just in case. We don't need to go to the hospital, Nick said once everyone was back in the Hummer. We're not going to visit Mrs. Cherry, Mr. Padilla asked. I thought the purpose of this whole outing was to find where she's hidden your government agent friend. It is, Nick said, but I'll be questioning the demon alone. She really hated to spring this on them especially because they and Tiago would know she played them for fools, but none of that mattered if they found Gary. I'm confused, Mrs. Padilla said. Is there, like, a holy place or something? Nix asked. Like a church or shrine or something? The Padilla shared a look. Our chapel is not far. Why? I need a place a demon wouldn't want to enter. Amor, I don't think... Please, just take me to the chapel. She felt bad for interrupting Mrs. Padilla, but if they were doing this, Nix would have to be in charge. Did you bring your keys? Mrs. Padilla asked her husband. He nodded. The church was in an office building next to several other businesses. The interior of the empty building looked exactly like a doctor's office, except for the paintings of Jesus everywhere. Nick spied a couch and sat down. The Padillas sat in a couple nearby armchairs. Now what? Mrs. Padilla asked with a small smile. Shall we read from the Bible? I'm guessing the president or whatever didn't get back to you yet? Nick asked. Mr. Padilla shook his head. Hopefully you won't have to do anything, but in case something does happen... Like what? Mr. Padilla asked. Nix took a deep breath. Put this number in your phone. She rattled it off, and they both programmed it into their cell phones. That's Jordan Frost's number. Remember, you'll need to talk to Jordan, not his dad. About what? I haven't been entirely honest about my trips into the afterlife. That time at the hospital with Tiago wasn't my first time. They both seemed confused. Listen, and don't say anything, please, Nick said. You won't believe this at first, and that's fine. But just promise me, before you call the police or paramedics, call Jordan and he will tell you what's going on. She gave them a moment to interject, but they obediently waited with their mouths closed. Wow, it felt really weird to be giving orders to Tiago's parents. I'm going to stop my heart in a couple minutes. When I stop breathing, wait a few seconds, then say a code word. Mrs. Padilla stood. Okay, I think we- Monica. Mr. Padilla put a hand on her arm and guided her back into her chair. Let her finish. She gave her husband a startled look, but then turned back to Nix. As a ghost, I'll hear the code word, Nix said. But it won't be in my physical body's mind, so the demon won't be able to pick it from my actual brain. Understand? It was clear they didn't, but Nix continued. This is important. When I come alive again and open my eyes, give me a minute to think, then ask for the code word. Don't give me any more than five minutes. If I try to get up or change the subject or act strangely, it's not me and you'll have to do your exorcism thing. Mrs. Padilla grabbed her husband's hand. Alejandro, y esta locura. Probably nothing, he said, but I suppose we'll find out. Mrs. Padilla mumbled something in Spanish that sounded like a prayer. Nix lay back on the couch. Remember, say the code word after I'm dead. If I can't repeat it when I'm awake, it isn't me inside me. Mrs. Padilla swore in English. If I'm dead more than five minutes, you can do CPR. If I don't come back soon after that, it's probably too late, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Mrs. Padilla said, her Spanish accent suddenly more pronounced. Nick smiled. I do this all the time. 
well, not confront demons, but I really need to find out what she did to that Homeland Security agent. You have my permission to kill me if the demon gets out of hand. Mrs. Padilla tried to stand up once more, but Mr. Padilla grabbed her hand again. Esperte, Moni. Nix took a deep breath and stopped her heart. Wow, that was the fastest she'd ever done it. Mrs. Padilla squeaked out another bad word. Mr. Padilla went to his knees and listened for breathing. Then he felt for a pulse. Esta muerta. 